0: Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the I Rather Be in Paris podcast. I'm your host, Juan Ulloa. In today's episode, Adrian Leeds of the Adrian Leeds Group and, of course, House Hunters International. Enjoy. Adrian Leeds, welcome to the I Rather Be in Paris podcast. Welcome.
1: Thank you, Juan. Very nice to be here.
0: Thank you for accepting the invitation. Um for those of you that don't know or have been hiding under a rock, <laughs> um Adrian Leeds is uh known to most folks uh through her numerous appearances on House Hunters International. Yes, that Adrian Leeds that uh travels Paris and and France showing homes to prospective expats. Um Adrian uh I, I wanted to You've been an expat in Paris for a number of years. What what I wanted to discuss with you today is, what's your story? What's your expat story? What brought you to Paris in the first place?
1: Well, I'm not sure we have enough time <laughs> to do that. Um, i just like to say that I have been here almost 25 years. I have an anniversary coming up this year. And, um, like a lot of people I know, uh, I came on a kind of one year trial run and just never left mm-hmm. And I know lots of people that happens to. They don't really expect to be here the rest of their lives, but I find it really impossible to turn around and go in reverse and go back. You know, you're always really moving forward for one thing. But also, going back to the lifestyle that I had in the U.S. is sort of like going back to living with blinders on. And uh, it just wasn't possible for me to do that. So Mm -hmm. here I am.
0: Now, what were were your biggest challenges? I mean, because back then, you know, obviously, we didn't have shows like House Hunters International to kind of give people a perspective from afar certainly didn't have the internet uh to to this degree to to kind of give people information online
1: well i had some real personal challenges because i came with a husband and a daughter and i realized very early on that i didn't want to hold on to the husband i wanted to hold on to the daughter (laughs) so I basically left him about two and a half years into our stay in Paris. And by that time, I had spent all my money. Mm -hmm. So I had nothing left. uh, And that I, that should have that should have deterred me, but it didn't, because, again, I just couldn't bring myself to go back to the United States to put my daughter in a school where there was going to be a metal detector every day when she went in, where she wasn't going to get, um, you know, uh, second language until high school, where I was going to have to buy a car, uh, have expensive healthcare insurance, Um, private school was gonna be necessary, that was expensive. I couldn't afford, I literally couldn't afford to go back. And so it seemed like a uh, a better situation to just tough it out, find a way to earn money, which I didn't have a working permit, so that was probably my biggest challenge. But it still seemed to be worth you know just at least making the effort to see if I could you know exist here and find a way to earn enough money. I literally left with virtually nothing
0: that that's that's amazing, but you know listening to you you're you're touching a lot along a lot of the the situations that my wife and I have discussed. I mean, in our case, our daughter's thirteen, but You know, certainly from my perspective, uh, with my background in public relations, you know, my thought is, how can I apply what I know to potentially finding work over there? I mean, obviously, we have to make a living uh, and then in a city like Paris. Um, So. But, you know, honestly, just I compliment your fortitude, because uh, especially as a as a, a single mother that that's and dealing with, I'm sure, language barriers. Uh, That's an incredible feat that you've pulled off. Now, would there be anything in particular that you would have done differently in hindsight?
1: Oh, I never look back and regret anything because you just can't do that. You know, you can't change what's already happened. Um, And you make decisions based on the situation at the time. And maybe they're not always good, but that's the way it is. So you just have to learn from them. Uh, I, I've been helping people make this transition for all these years because if you read what's online or you read what is legal and the law, you might not believe that you can make it happen. But you have to be willing to understand how the system works, understand that there's a difference between the law and reality, and you have to be willing to take some risks in order to make that happen. And so that's why I've been helping people do that in a transitional way. Mm -hmm. And now, thanks to the internet, you know, we didn't even have the internet then. Thanks to the internet, and uh, we have the ability to work from almost anywhere. And that's changed things a lot. It makes it a whole lot easier for people to find a way to survive and then transition over so that they're not... Always operating you know a little bit au noir a little bit under the table exactly but, you know there are people who can't sleep at night, you know, if they're doing anything that they is not absolutely to the letter by the law, and for those people, I say, stay home because uh, this is a you know this is a situation where you really have to be willing to take a certain number of risks and look at reality and understand what the odds are. Mm -hmm. I just spoke to someone a few minutes ago who has been here almost as long as I have, who still has no visa, is not legal, has been living and working here all these years. And just now, I just now gave him the name of our immigration attorneys and said, OK, I think it's time you get this settled. (laughs) but he's managed to survive all these years, you know, under, you know, under the radar and uh, God bless him. But I, you know, what can I say?
0: (laughs) You know, and and it's funny, but you hear stories uh, like that all over the world. And, you know, frankly, as, as, as these, these loopholes get tightened more and more, frankly, you know, it's important to, to get a little closer to within the letter of the law. Let's be, let's be honest.
1: Well, yes, I I agree with that. I am not suggesting that people do things illegally. It's just that, okay, like, for instance, uh, let's just, let's look at your, you know, tax reporting, okay? Mm -hmm. The truth is, you can pretty much do anything until you're audited. That's the reality, okay? I'm not suggesting that you, you know, do a lot of illegal things and uh, and then hope for the best, (laughs) but The reality is that you can do whatever, you can report whatever you want, and then if you get audited, you might get caught if you're not absolutely to the letter, right? Mm -hmm. And the same situation applies here. So there is the law and then there's the reality. And you have to understand how the system works in order to operate on what I call le, le petit chemin, which are the little pathways between the government agencies To make things work, I'll give you an example. Um, You can, uh, you will, you know, you can apply for a visa, and they're not going to give you a work permit. So you'd have to apply for a visitor visa, and basically, the visitor visa is good. They're going to ask you to sign a document that says you're not going to work in France. So you sign that, thinking that, oh my God, you know, like. If I'm a writer, but I'm, my, I'm sitting in a desk, you know, at a desk in France, but I'm writing for a company that has hired me who's in the U.S., you know, I'm, what am I going to do? You know, this feels illegal. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. But you've been hired by this U.S. company to do this work. You could be anywhere in the world at the time. And unless you're tax resident in France, which is uh, a 183-day tax rule, then basically you're still not obligated to France for the taxes earned on that money. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of things you have to take into consideration. Okay, then when you get here, you realize, wow, you can op- open an auto entrepreneur. You can be, you can open a, a small company. It's like being an independent contractor. Okay, and. You can do that because it requires that you have a visa. It doesn't say what kind of visa. So you can actually open a little company, earn money, report the income, pay taxes on it in France, and at the same time have a visitor visa that doesn't allow you to work. (laughs) And
0: that's
1: the truth. So in other words, okay, there's a lot of little ways to skin the cat and there are ways to make it work so that you can transition over and have a life in France.
0: Yeah.
1: So these are some of the ins and outs that you just need to learn. But of course, you know, if you can't sleep at night because you're doing these, then uh, maybe you should try something else. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: it's not for the faint of heart. That's for sure. That's for sure
1: but you know, most of the people that uh, come here who I've been in contact with, these are, you know, they're adventuresome. They want to experience a life outside of where they, where you know, their comfort zone. And they're pretty, you know, they're well educated. You know, they're intelligent. They've, they're well traveled. And they pretty much understand what their risks are. Mm-hmm. And as long as you're open to that, then you can really do it. There's just nothing really stopping you.
0: That gives me a lot of hope, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, you know, and it's funny because I've been told by, by some acquaintances in France that I'm a bit France obsessed. And, and if I think about it, that obsession started ever so um, subtly, thanks to you. <laughs> uh, because we, we, we came across you on House Hunters International it seems, well, that's what early two thousands, I guess. Um,
1: well, my show was in two thousand six.
0: Yeah, so um, you know, and ever since then, but I, I, have, we appreciated the, the the candidness that you brought to uh, the show, frankly, because I think um, up until that point, none of the other property representatives were ever as candid. Um, now how did you transition into this particular field you know you 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 well i think before that how did you get a hold of the language i know your your personal background you're from louisiana originally
1: <laughs> oh i oh how did i get a hold of the language um that that's a, actually a pretty funny story because I'm not very good at sitting in a classroom, and I didn't want to come and sit in a classroom learning French while everyone else was out there enjoying the city. (laughs) So as part of my, you know, initiatives to find a way to earn money, I started a French-English conversation group called Parley Parlor with a woman who was the director at the time of Berlitz, France, Mm-hmm. And or Berlitz lysees not Berlitz France, but Berlitz champs-lysees And together we started this conversation group. And through the conversation group, I learned to speak French. <laughs> so, oh wow! I got the business, I earned some money. I got to you know learn French all at the same time. But I will say, it took me a good ten years before I could get much out of my mouth. And now twenty-five years later, I'm still struggling. <laughs> <laughs> Well um, i mean I, I, they need it much
0: yeah well no i it, it's it's interesting when you hear expats discuss um, you know the language in and of itself and the complexities of French, so um, frankly, just even if you're talking about counting you know numbers after a certain point becomes certainly much more challenging than 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 people will realize but um <laughs>
1: mean, like when it becomes 80 and 90. And, exactly.
0: Um, exactly. Yeah.
1: Well, <laughs> yeah, after a while, you get used to it. Okay? Yeah. Just, <laughs> it becomes osmosis. Those are the beautiful
0: um, idiosyncrasies of France that you learn to accept.
1: I'd like to go back, if you don't mind, um, to just addressing why you think uh, my presentation on House Hunters International is different than the other Mm-hmm. Agents, I'd like to actually explain why that is this is why I think it is because the other agents are real are agents real estate agents who sell property I am not a salesperson I am a property consultant mm-hmm. so I have a client I'm helping them find the perfect property I'm on the buyer's side not on the seller's side. Mm-hmm. And that makes a big difference because I'm not married to any particular property. And my raison d'etre, you know, my reason for being or, is to actually help that client find the best property they can find, which is mm-hmm. why it's easy for me to say, no, I don't want you to take that. <laughs> <laughs> so just... And I think I actually think that makes a bit of a difference because I have a real relationship with these people. Whereas an, another agent might not.
0: No, that makes sense. And and I'm acquainted with one of or two of your past clients. And and you know, universally they say the same thing. It's um you know, she had my back <laughs> is what one of them told me. Um and and it, it's it's interesting you know, because it, it is something different than particularly North Americans who are used to a particular system. Uh, and, and, and I've said it time and time again on the podcast and on the website. Um, the real estate system in North America does not resemble the system in France at all. So certainly this is at, something that... At
1: all. Not at all.
0: <laughs> no, you certainly need a professional like Adrian to, to help you through the process for sure.
1: Well, I would say that whether it's me or someone else, I don't think anybody should go through this alone. There are just a lot of pitfalls along the way, and the real estate agents are not, they're working for the seller, not the buyer. They just want to sell what they have, and they really aren't designed to handhold a foreign client through the process. So I've seen too many big mistakes happen. That's just my, you know. I, I don't recommend that anybody do this by themselves.
0: Well, you've heard it from the expert people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so now, uh, tell me a little bit about Adrian Leeds Group, and you know, wh- when did you start it, and and what kind of services does it offer?
1: Oh wow! I started Adrian Leeds Group um, in nineteen ninety seven basically, as long ago as that, because it helped me facilitate my life here by having a U.S. company. Mm -hmm. It has, of course, morphed and grown and changed over the years, but it is now uh, U.S. side as well as French side. So I have a French company with a partner, and it has a different legal name, but the uh, commercial name is Adrian Leeds Group. Mm-hmm. so that we can actually operate on both sides. Okay. And, and you know, we are a licensed real estate agent, agency in France.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. So, um, so in terms of, so if folks were to visit uh, Adrian Leeds Group, they could see properties that have been sold or properties that are available for sale?
1: No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so explain um, that.
1: Okay, yes, because there are a few properties that we have listed and have sold or are selling, but I will only list a property that I would recommend a client buy. So the properties that we have listed and sold are normally our clients who originally purchased those properties through us to begin with. So they're very few. Okay. Okay. We are primarily consultants. We are hired to search for a property for rent or for purchase.
0: Okay. And
1: that's, I, that's an yeah, I, really, to- I really don't like being the salesperson. I really, uh, I'm not good at that, believe it or not. <laughs> I mean, it might seem like it, um, but I, you know, I just want to make sure that my client buys what's correct. And I would never want to have to show a property and lie about something about it just in order to make a sale. And they do that. The agents do that all day long. So buyer beware.
0: Well, no, I've, and I've heard some interesting stories um, from some of the folks that follow us um, that they they get into a property. And then find out, oh, well, they thinking they could post it on Airbnb or, you know, sublease it. And you know, they weren't told that they weren't able to do that. So, you know, and that could lead to some legal wrangling, needless to say.
1: Uh, yes, I've had people come to me and say that they went through the whole process. No one ever said a single word about it. But uh, and those other people, the other agents, expected them as the buyers to do their own due diligence. And they didn't. So... That's why it helps to have somebody like us.
0: Yes. Well, and then you know when you're you talking about doing due diligence, it's one thing if you're doing due diligence in your homeland, but when you're doing it in a foreign com- country, it's it's an entirely much more difficult process. So,
1: um, well, for example, when you go to buy a property, mm-hmm. um, you should be given a whole slew of documents to look at. And those documents include diagnostics that have been done by a professional, the bylaws of the building, and three years of the assembly meeting notes. And everything's in French. Mm-hmm. And it's a mountain of paper. So if you don't, if you can't read French and you don't know what you're looking at, you might not have a clue how to go through that documentation and find, you know, those nuances because. What if the building does not allow furnished rentals, for instance? Mm -hmm. And when they say that, it means that they allow unfurnished rentals, but that dictates a three-year lease. You know, in the States, you can write your own contract between two people. You can write your own lease. Not in France. (laughs) (laughs) These are rules that are, you know, you have to follow the rules that exist. And that's another aspect that's really different between us. You know, we have English law. English law is based on what's forbidden. Napoleonic code is based on what's allowed. You take those two legal systems and compare them, and it would put any American into shock. So,
0: <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Um, that, you know, it, the, it can seem daunting. So I know that you provide an initial consultation to, to clients. What does that initial consultation uh, involve? One of the things that, and for for full disclosure, I've actually done it uh, a little bit over a year ago. I consulted with Adrian and it was was eye-opening, but also it, you know, thankfully, it made this idea that my wife and I have about potentially moving to France seem not as overwhelming.
1: Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. Um, The consultation is pretty simple. It's, you know, it's a couple of hours. Uh, It's one-on-one, whether by phone, Skype, or, you know, in person. It, uh, It has a small charge to it, but that applies toward a search for a rental or a purchase, so it's not, nothing's lost along the way. And it really is the first step, and I can start with someone who just has this idea of coming for a short period of time to the person who's really serious about buying properties, so it really just depends on their own needs, and I take that and strategize the best way to move forward
0: well as speaking of as someone who's gone through the process, I would highly recommend it it's 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 a good investment frankly um and you know, when doing, when doing your due diligence for any property rental or property purchase, I mean, you, you, knowledge is power, so to speak. So, you know, frankly, especially when it comes to Paris, <laughs> the more I know, the better.
1: Uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's not, it's not inexpensive. Okay, I don't come that cheap. But <laughs> <laughs> um, when I hear someone who's, you know, ready to drop a half a million euros on a property, but they don't want to invest Uh, this small amount of money to learn what they need to learn it really concerns me because it's being penny wise and pound foolish i know how much this is good what the difference i can make in the way they view their process and how much money i'm going to save them by opening their eyes and giving them the education they need and just strategizing just finding a way to make it work Too many people, for instance, come to me and don't realize that maybe they need to consider taking a mortgage now rather than later because you can't be 80 years old and get a 30-year mortgage in France. It's not that simple. So sometimes the timing is such that you really need good advice early on. So... I mean, I know, I, you know, what could I say? I've spoken to hundreds of people. I, I know that it's made a difference and, um, and I'm, and I'm thrilled when I, when I see it, you know, their dreams come true. It makes me feel really good. That's all worthwhile.
0: Well, it's, it's been a pleasure watching you over the years, make those, those dreams come true. And as, as someone who's, um, helped me get started on that path, uh, I'm looking forward to, uh the day where you and I can sit down and, and sign some paperwork. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, but this is already a big step. You know, when oh, yeah. I spoke to you quite a year ago, you weren't podcasting like this. So that's this true. already in the right direction.
0: I, I'd like to think so. I'd like to think so. So um, what, is there anything new coming down the pipe? Any new projects, uh, any new shows, episodes coming down the pipe for you?
1: Well, I've got two shows in the can, so to speak, that haven't yet aired. Um, One is a mother-daughter situation here in um, Paris. And another is a couple that was filmed in Epernay in Champagne. And so we have to just, you know, look forward to the air dates. And I always publish that on um, on my website and in my newsletters. If uh, your listeners do not know about my newsletters, I publish three a week. There's Parley Paris, Parley Nice, and French Property Insider. I call them Nouvelle Lettre, which is a French word I made up (laughs) and registered. Uh, It's very easy to subscribe. It's very easy to unsubscribe in case you feel like you're bombarded. But uh, all you have to do is go to AdrianLitz.com, and there's a subscribe section on the left panel. And then suddenly you're going to get all this information. So basically Parley Paris and Parley Nice are life in these places from my point of view uh, with lots of information about what's going on and how to view this transition. And then French Property Insider is really just devoted to property. So that, that makes sense.
0: Well, I subscribe to all three, and, and they are chock full of information, but again, this is just kind of another avenue, another way in which, uh, I guess, added value, I don't like that term, but that's, that's, I guess, the best way I can describe it. It's kind of the added value of associating with the Adrian Leeds website, um, because beyond the television shows and everything else, you know, the, every week I can count on, you know, some new information that's going to open my eyes to, to this process, so.
1: Okay, that, that's that's great to hear. And there's also, the archives are all available and they started in 1998. So there's a lot of material there. <laughs> uh, there's also, for the people who travel to Paris, I run a monthly coffee gathering on the second Tuesday of every month, with the exception of August, where we always have a speaker. And it's free. It's from 3 to 5 p.m. and it's located in a cafe in the Marais. So whoever's traveling to Paris, if they're going to be around on the second Tuesday of the month, they should show up and say hello and meet other readers. It's always fun. It's always interesting. That's something else they can do. And occasionally we sponsor um, conferences and forums. We have a financial forum coming up in September here in Paris on September 18th, that we're going to be talking about money and, and property and everything related to that. Uh, The other thing I've got going on at the moment is I'm working on a couple of fractional ownership properties. Do you know what that is?
0: I'm a little acquainted with it, but why don't you enlighten us?
1: Well, uh, unlike uh, timeshare. Timeshare is where you actually buy the time to stay in a vacation property. This is a situation where you actually own, you know, in unison with other people, a property and you share the usage in it. Mm-hmm. So it's an investment. You can resell your share and then you can use it based on a usage calendar. So I'm in the process right now of developing a studio a studio uh, apartment that is located in one of the three oldest buildings in the city. That is absolutely fabulous and the shares are going to sell somewhere in the neighborhood of around 50,000 euros. And then I'm working on a couple of other projects that I can't. I don't have enough information yet to divulge, but this is a way for people who come here regularly and are having trouble finding rental apartments because of the stringent rental laws. It's a great way of having a little their own little pied de terre a piece of Paris they can count on. And it's an investment, so it's a no-lose proposition, basically.
0: Excellent. Well, we'll keep our eyes out for all that. I mean, that's certainly going to be something uh, of interest to to all of us, but I would love to have you back to discuss that when when things are a little closer to fruition.
1: Well, I'm getting close. (laughs) I'll uh, be putting out an announcement about this first property probably within the next month or so. So stay tuned on that. Um, I'm just in the process of actually doing um, a facelift on it, a little bit of renovation work. And when it's ready for photos, that'll happen. And then, and then I'll be able to promote it. So,
0: Excellent. Well, right I, I've, I've, seen, I've seen some of your properties uh, post-renovation. So you have a good team to, that you work with.
1: Oh, my God. My, my designer is Martine Di DiMatteo, and she is the best. I mean, there isn't anybody who can do a space like Martine, and I feel very, very fortunate that I met her many years ago thanks to someone who just said, you need to know each other, one of those situations. And uh, thanks to her, we've made a lot of clients happy, and the properties are just beautiful. So, and she's I- doing this one.
0: Good, I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see it. Uh, Adrian, thank you so very much for for all your time and and knowledge. Uh, Look forward to talking to you again soon. And of course, seeing you on television. And uh, we'll keep an eye out for the new episodes of House Hunters International. Uh, More importantly, if you're interested in purchasing a property or at least beginning the process of just beginning that expat life, Consider consulting with Adrian as someone that has done it. I couldn't recommend it more. So, well,
1: thank you. That's so kind of you. And it really has been a pleasure. So, all they need to do is look at adrianleads.com. And I know I spell my name like a guy, A D R I A N L <laughs> E E T S.com. And my email is adrian at adrianleads.com. It's that easy.
0: Excellent. So, reach out to Adrian and uh, start the process, start the journey like I am. Thank you very much, Adrian. Have a wonderful afternoon, and I look forward to talking to you soon.
1: Thank you. Bye-bye, everybody.
0: Thank you for joining us for today's episode. I really hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Now, before I go, you'll see a link in the show notes to leave the show a message. So if you have any recommendations for future guests or uh, questions for our past guests, feel free to leave them there and I'll do my best to get them answered for you. Now, uh, before I go, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already and share it with your friends. Of course, in between episodes, join us on iratherbeinparis.com on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to keep the conversation going. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.